0: Good evening, fellow Gunners, and welcome to another episode of Canon Talk. I'm Jos Mourne, and my co-host as usual, Aiden. As it, guys? At least we have some football to look forward to, even though uh, we don't
1: watch Bundesliga. Like, even though those guys who don't watch Bundesliga, I'm sure there's excitement creeping in just to watch some sort of live sport coming up.
0: Funny enough, it actually started for me last weekend already when I, when I watched... UFC 249, and it was actually quite exciting, even if it was like, you know, uh, without a crowd. But, you know, just to have some sort of live sport, you know, up and running, it was actually a great feeling or great sensation. Um, That being said, yes, Bundesliga starting this coming weekend. And then, like, uh, with with more news now, slowly, you know, was like dripping out, not really coming out in full. But um, is starting June thirteenth. That is now almost like locked in now. And then the Premier League is now set for June the nineteenth for starting. How uh,
1: do they plan on squeezing all the fixtures in? Is there still going to be an FA Cup involved as well?
0: I don't know, look. I think it's just you know just to sort of um, you know like start somewhere. I think it's more based on that just to make some sort of start. I think other than that, you know, the powers that be they will probably. You know, will that start feeding us as the, the uh, you know the coming days or coming weeks go as we close in on that that day?
1: Oh, it's just, it seems such a long time away, but before you know it, we'll be watching it. It's going to be weird without um, any crowds. But uh, I read an article on the mirror. Um, they said that with, if the vaccine of the virus is not found anytime soon, they will play. They'll continue playing the. Like follow next season um, behind closed doors, and like even the like the clubs are going to be taking a lot a large knock on that, especially even the the TV um, companies want to want to rebate as well because having a crowd there as well adds to the atmosphere. Yeah,
0: but I mean, uh, I look, at, like I've been saying this for weeks now. People must also be careful of you know what you're reading because. It's not like these journalists are having I mean, people that are actually sitting, you know, with these guys that are, I'm not talking now of say, the higher uh, hierarchy at the, at the FA or, the, or at FIFA or UEFA. So they're almost like at times making assumptions as to what a them to And of course, it, it sells papers, it gets clicks. And I mean, at times it can also be almost like negative also because everybody is also, you know, up... Uh, like everyone's like reading to go now, like especially now with this kind of date that's locked in. Now, everybody's like looking forward to that day, and now you know, when you have this like the media that's almost like every uh, every say three or four days, they're throwing a span in the works again, then everybody going to sort of mass hysteria again with how things are going to go. And I mean, I'm of course, it's my my own thinking, and I mean, I'm playing it cool, like how it's going out or playing out at, at the moment. And I mean, I also have faith in, you know, whether it's uh, the football associations or, you know, those that are now uh, running the show with, with this pandemic also. I actually have faith in them in that also. So, I mean, I'm letting it play out like that.
1: Yeah, but uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the, the season will unfold. I mean, we going to be in June, which is the summer break time, and you're going to have probably two months of games squeezed in probably two weeks or three weeks, something like that, probably.
0: Um, like, what I've also... I think what's interesting me also more is, like, um, are you going to run... You know, so that you have yeah, the seasons running, like, we know it. You know, we runs from August to May. So I wonder... Because I think somewhere down the line they're gonna have to work out something where the football cycle has to run on par again, like we all know it. And I mean, every every country runs their leagues differently, like whether it's Europe, the Americas, uh, Africa, the Australasia area, and Asia. So you actually wonder how, like, everybody gets in 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 almost like on par again with with the season. Like, you know, we have the or as you would say now, we would have been now in that first. We almost like approaching the first part of the footballer's summer holidays.
1: Yeah, I think next season we'll probably maybe start to, you know, I know we're talking far long ahead, but maybe probably depending on the end, we will get a two month break. But in that there'll probably be fixtures being squeezed in left, right, and center yeah, yeah, because yeah. of the Euros happening as well. So because you, you can't postpone the Euros another year because it's the World Cup yeah, as yeah. well. So It's a case of, do you cancel the Euro completely or do you squeeze that in and then the footballers have to play like another extended season the following year with the World Cup and qualifiers in between. It's going to be really crazy. Um, I'm sure a lot of betting companies will be making money with all the soccer that's going to be coming up in the next year.
0: Or, you know, something like where you're going to have a a scenario where it's going to be also based on, on seedings where... If they can't really decide or squeeze in, um, you know, qualifiers as you mentioned, of course it's going to probably be maybe unfair to some, but maybe it's going to work down to you know that that coefficient things where they say okay this is not going to be based on, say FIFA rankings or UEFA rankings, and that's sort how of the thing will be decided. Uh, it's
1: it's a, a lot is up in the air at the moment, but I guess only as time time will tell, and like you said, just remain calm and just see what. The FA, FIFA, UEFA all come up with to try to come with a logical like solution with everything.
0: I don't know what I'm actually grateful for. Most of the the football associations all over at the moment, I could say, they are you know having press releases. They are now keeping people up to date with how things are going on. And what we mentioned a few weeks back, where we said like you know, it was kind of don't keep us in the dark constantly as football fans. Try to just, even if you're giving us, say, once, or I think you also mentioned, you know, once every day, say, 14 days or whatever, just let people know, okay, where we stand, what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think they probably listened to our podcast and decided to let the fans know. Yeah,
0: so back to Arsenal news. Um, I don't know if you've heard now this whole thing about Danny Sebaeus. It looks now, I wouldn't say now all set in it, but he's in he did not interview in one of the spanish sports outlets and there was not talk of you know his mind is all sick now to you know like try to win his place again over at at madrid and but i I, I also think you know before i now switch the, the, the mic to you uh i also think it's down to he probably also senses that he will not be really not David's plans. Uh, uh, that's just like a gut feeling. It I'm getting.
1: Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna tell me his uh, mind was set on staying for Arsenal, but uh it'll be a, I wouldn't say it'll be a massive blow, but you know he started doing quite well in a deeper role. Yeah. But you know I guess Arsenal need to beefen up that uh, middle of the park anyway with somebody that. Could do the dirty work and as well somebody that can you know drive the team forward because Torreira does a good job at shielding the defense but he's not going to drive your team forward like uh, you know. For example, I Torre or Patrick Vieira, someone that caught my eye in that position, and I know his team hasn't been doing well. Is so that the core of Watford?
0: Yeah, I mean he's always been. Somebody that's like for me also Premier if, League if he goes now say to another uh, side. But look with that whole quite a lot of this this talk has been now quite rife, whether it's British or Spanish media about, you know, Thomas Party of Atletico joining us possibly. Um I you know, whether whether that player from what I've seen, look he's now you know, a holding player that can at times be, you know, creative if he needs to be. But, I mean, he's also quite disciplined and sits in his role. I mean, especially if you play for, say, something like Simeone, you have to be. But I was just thinking, you know, if you're going to have something like that in, then why not... I mean, that could be a bit controversial, what I'm going to say, but then why not say let someone like Xhaka go? Because if you think the style of play of Xhaka, which is quite slow and laborious at times... And I mean, if if he doesn't get that, you know, that opportunity when uh, it's a game that, that's um, more compact, he's not going to really be able to thread that that expensive passes that we have been always talking to about. Sometimes it comes off fine, but most of the teams already are wise to that, so they don't give him really that that sort of space to do that. So you actually wonder: is it like, beneficial to have something like that if you already have, you know, so many players that are similar to that but are somewhat you know quicker with a ball.
1: I think the likes of Thomas Partey as well is the fact that he probably has more legs in him to get across the field quicker, to you know, take a tackle. He could be in the middle of the park. Next thing, he's sliding at you know a left-back position, tackling somebody or closing down. So I think he adds more legs in the Arsenal team, which we've been missing a, a guy that can you know do that role. I mean, Santi was a little guy, but he did that quite well, linking up yeah. our... Depends from the midfield to attack. So, maybe this is the missing link we need. I mean, I think it's just two players, I mean, we mentioned previously. Shabi uh, Alonso and company, which Arsenal could have signed. Yeah. Which we've missed out on for, you know, twiddling our thumbs.
0: But, you know, with regards to now, you know, as we're not talking about players that are, you know, on the radar at the moment. and that, I was just thinking also, if, if you have, say, someone like Thomas Party and you maybe have... Say someone like Quendozi who has the talent to be a solid DM if he if you know if need be. But I think, of course, he just needs that that more discipline, and that will come in time. With Arteta, since we know he really you know keeps a thumb on on Gwendoza at the moment. So I just wonder if, if say that two can mould themselves into some sort of you know where they either rotate it or at times maybe used in as a pair. You know, no, you know where where um. Gwendoza can be used as a, as a more creative midfielder, which, I mean, give him props. He does have that, that eye for a killer pass. He does have that, that, that eye also to drive at, at teams when, when teams are tiring. So I just wonder if you can use them in tandem sometimes or sometimes where you just have the one player and then you have, say, extra two midfielders in the middle of the park.
1: Yeah, I guess, you, you know, with, with those two, depending on your position, you can use them either as a partnership or, like, either you know, the one taking over from the other depending on the opposition because obviously each player has their strengths and weaknesses but, you know, maybe you could play the two of them and then have like a proper attacking mode with with Okay, Maybe you can get the best out of a guy like Uzel because um, he doesn't have to maybe track back as much. He can just do his job. He'll have kind of two bodyguards protecting him kind of like he had back in his Madrid days.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, with the outgoings at the moment, I think that with El Nini looks Luke, looks also locked in with a you know move away because uh, he's actually also having quite a good time or, or actually enjoying his spell now at at uh, what was it somewhere in Eastern he was playing. But I just think you know did that you know whatever I mean I don't think we're gonna get a lot for you really because I think he was just on a on a big wage. So I think, you know, that's already another player off the wage ball. And then, of course, with Mkhitaryan, it looks like we will probably have to take a financial hit with that because, look, Arsenal wanted 15 million, and I think Roma are probably going to give about 10 million tops. So, you know, I think the rest of that five will probably be, you know, spread over, um, you know, his wages because, look, he did have massive wages at United, and it, it even almost, like, filtered down into, like, you know, with us eventually. So, you know, that deal looks almost like all settled as well. So, it's like, you know, two players already guaranteed out. Um, then, of course, uh, there's a, been an article about Ozil staying the season, like for next season, and then, like, leaving on a free. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, I would have personally tried to rake in whatever cash I could, you know, right now.
1: I agree with that. You know, you know I've always been a, a big advocate of Urzel staying. He's a world-class player, but... I think, you know, if, if, if you can have somebody that's already had his mindset up to leave, I mean, I know David, David Silva's leaving the end of this season, but, you know, I, I don't mean to slate Ozil or talk bad about him. It might be a bit controversial, but, you know, David Silva seems like a more professional type of guy that doesn't throw his toys out the cot and that will see out his final year, you know, with everything he's got. But like a guy like Ozil, you wonder if his head will be there knowing that, you know, whatever the outcome of this season is... It's not going to matter what happens next season because, as, like, you know, if Arsenal win the Champions League, it's not going to affect him. Or if they don't, it's not going to affect him. So, mm-hmm. you wonder if it's better, like you mentioned, to get rid of a player now so that by the time next season comes, you know, you have somebody ready made for the position or you can plan for it. Because, you know, Ursula will probably have these suitors already with the big wages waiting for him. So you know, might as well try to cash in, probably. And I don't know what you would get in those all these days. You think fifty is too much?
0: No, I think that's like ballpark figure. I think you can get easily between twenty and thirty for, you know, even in between that also. But uh, look, I I've gotten to a stage also now. You know, as a fan, where you know, as much as you say you like a player, you like like certain aspects of a player. You must also put your that, that sentiment aside because at the end of the day, we're all supporting the team for success. And if that means, you know, you, you're losing, say, uh, I wouldn't say a stalwart yet. I don't think he was really a stalwart because if you think of the, you know, lack of contribution in the last, say, two, three years or so, it's, it's not been somebody, something that you can say, okay, he did that and he did that. You can actually, it was like at times, pick when, you know, on your, your hands, which games he's played absolute blinders. But that being said, I just think it comes now to a stage where, almost like on the way going forward now with, with Arteta or whoever is going to play out also in the future, you have to also start building a sort of team that can be not only a ruthless, but, you know, it's a, like a hard-working team from goalkeeper right through. And and I don't mean that right through the, the squad. I'm talking of the 11 on the field and the whole bench. Everybody must be, you know, almost like vibe for that spot. And, you know, where you have that sort of rivalry where you see... So the top three or top four clubs right now in the Premier League, where you have that sort of rivalry, rivalry, where you know if the right back comes off, it's going to be another quality right back going right in there.
1: Yeah, uh, that is that is true. Uh, like another thing you mentioned about Arsenal as well, like you, either the most excitement he to us when he actually signed for Arsenal, you know, the fact that we're going to get a world class player, and these first three seasons I found. He was quite stellar, especially the, the impact, the so-called impact he made, but probably in the dressing room, to Arsenal Football Club when he just came in, and then Aaron Ramsey seemed to have thrived off him, and
0: Alexis Sanchez as well. But I feel. also I don't forget Jeru. Was I mean the Giroud, of- yes. He applied for Jeru. Was fantastic, and I mean, I'm like for for some reason I'm thinking of not only that, that debut of Özil, yes, but also that that one game. It always sticks in my head was one of the games where we beat Everton at the Emirates where it was like, you know, it was a terrible day. It was like, you know, the rain was lashing down. And, I mean, in, in that miserable weather that Ozil does, one of that, you know, that lofted passes, and Giroud just manages to get a few strands of hair and just flick the ball past them. Oh,
1: yes. It was a 2-1 victory, I think, against... Yeah. against. Um, yeah, it was like a dece- like late October-November game. It was a yeah. winter's... I remember that game quite clear. And I think Ozil's was probably his most prolific season in terms of assists. And we saw the best out of him. I mean, even Alexis Sanchez, you know, he seems to have brought the best out of Alexis Sanchez. And I think Arsene Wenger let Arsenal down in that season where Arsenal went on to end second with behind Leicester, whereby he only brought in a better check to the Arsenal side. I mean, two or three more outfield player signings you know,
0: who knows? I but, mean that yeah. season was there for the taking. But, but I mean with with, with Ozil now. Uh like my take is just for me the attitude of him as a player changed drastically when he when that, that new contract came into play. Because up till then, I mean he was contributing, he was doing, you know, at times working his backside off. Even though sometimes, you know, the, the shoulders would drop in it, but he was always contributing something to the team. And then it's like the, the new contract came, he became like one of the top wage earners. Alexis left, and then I mean, you didn't see that sort of fire and desire in him anymore.
2: Yeah,
1: I think it must have been also a bitter pill to swallow. Maybe even Alexis also had a good understanding on the pitch, and then you know, you look at your also left. I think the same transfer window, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, so I guess it also took a big knock to him because I think. They brought almost the best out of each other, the three of them. And this is a pity that we saw that all decline like that. I mean, I don't think you'll go in the history books as, you know, the, the legendary status, but, you know, it would have been that top-class signing that came to Arsenal that, you know, added a few of that, um, um, that assist that he's done for the club. But in your opinion, do you still think do you think, and that's a bit of a controversial question, do you think Fabregas was like loved more than the likes of a message? Ozil? Yeah, I think
0: it was. Because just of that, you know, I think every game he was all like somebody that played with his heart on his sleeve, that type of player. And I mean, you remember that one game where, where I think Fabregas we had to come on, he bagged a few goals and he got injured and he had to get some.
1: <laughs> Aston Villa, that 3-0, when he scored that free kick yeah. at, um, at Armand Rio, you where know, still assisted him, and his guys just started bursting. He had scored, and then he, like, pulled up. Like, he showed his hamstring, yeah. his hamstring. But it was a tight affair against the Villa side, who, I think, beat Man United, at Old Trafford a few weeks before that. And had was Arsenal also gunning for the title. It just showed we always had a good December, but the what followed next just wasn't strong enough.
0: Another you know, when when you had like, say, someone like Patrick Vieira. Prior to that, with Fabregas, and then for, uh, Vieira leaves. You've got this kid, and, you know, it was like the 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 player in in, in you know, it was like uh, what how would you put it, you know, the the heir to the throne. And then he's uh, just as he's suddenly he, that, that sort of peak that you really want him to, he he then leaves, and it, it takes I don't know how many years before we now find. You know, sort of gym in the
1: middle of the park again. Uh, I think that's the biggest problem Arsenal had was like the like I think you mentioned it's like you try to hold on to a player and then you hold on and hold on, and you know there's no succession plan, like you know, with Vieira, there was Fabregas. and it's almost like Wenger threw that out the window, like the older he got and the more stubborn he got. So when Fabregas left, there was a big hole in the middle, and Nazri left the same window. Then you had the likes of Adam Ramsey, who was, you know, still coming back from an injury, having to do the job in the middle of the park with Arteta and Song.
0: So but I, yeah, but I, I mean, like when I just go through the squad now, yeah, like when I look at the midfield, I still think Arsenal still, still need somebody, you know, deadlier in the middle of the park that that, you know, plays with the heart of a lion type of thing, that type of, of player, because. I mean, look, you know what you're going to get from Shaka. Of course, you see with Urzel, it, it comes in fits and starts. With with Sebyos, look, you can't really plan now with him, you know, that, you know per se. And then, of course, you've got Lucas Torreira, who's an arteter now. He's starting to play a more disciplined game, and you know, more solid defensive cover. And then you've got, you know, Guedosi and and Willock. So I think you st- also also lacking. Uh, you know, it was like a prime, or oh, play in his prime that, that's in the middle of the park. Or, you know, a cam, something like that.
1: Yeah, like, like not so, always like the impact that Bruno Fernandes is doing for Man United yeah. kind of thing, but I don't know, I don't even saw that. I think BBC put him in the team of the year after playing, <laughs> what, five
0: Premier League games or something. He a standing that low with doing that already. Uh, yeah, now, just to switch to our, our attention to the, some of the, like the transfer market again. There is again, now, another, you know, the, the rumours of not only that William that we've been talking about of Chelsea, you know, possibly joining on a free. But it's also that that guy from Lyon, that Bruno Gimenez, which we, you know, I, we failed to sign him in, I think it was, it was now January. But I still don't, I mean, of course, uh, it's now just media, of course, you know, playing... Uh, football manager again, something like that. But I, I just think that it's too soon for. I know, like we kind of missed the bus with it. We could have probably signed him when we should have, say, January. But I don't think if he's probably wanted to still prove himself in France with Lyon. So I honestly don't see any, you know, real truth to that. And then the other player that has been mentioned was also somebody that you and I probably remember from our way younger days. Uh, that Chiesa, we used to watch his father playing Serie A, and I mean, now his son is eating the, the big C now in Italy. And he's also talked about as uh, some sort of attacking match that could be, you know, joining up at the club, like, or with or has got an eye on it at the moment.
1: It seems more exciting prospects coming our way under, the, like, you know, the Arteta regime because, under every You know, there's a lot of confusion always with the players you signed. or When you did sign somebody, you were like, huh? Was that necessary? So hopefully Arteta plugs all the gaps we need. So it'll be interesting to see what Arteta comes up with, you know, when the window does open, whenever that may be now. So looking forward to seeing that.
0: Do you have any other pointers?
1: Uh, I just want to ask you, you know, I always ask these questions, taking you back. So, you know, under Wenger, there was three title winning seasons um, the two League and Cup doubles and Invincibles. For you, what was your best one? You know, scrapping the Invincibles aside, because I know for most that was obviously their top notch season. But for you, what was your season you, um, you know, sticks with you in your heart first? The double in 97 98 or the double in 01 02? And why?
0: 97 98 title win just that, that, that sort of ruthlessness that, that that team put about. I mean, you saw somewhat of that in, in 01, 02. And of course, uh, say the, the 03, 04 season, it was, you know, very, everything was like, you know, workmanlike and, and things like that. Whereas with, with 97, 98, things, we, you know, we got like off to a flyer. And then it came that, that middle patch where almost like the wheels came off somewhat. I think it was, could be early December. And like
1: we lost the 3 0 to Derby, I think it was like October, November when we lost 3 0 to Derby. I think we lost to Liverpool and okay. then Blackburn and Rovers as well.
0: And, you know, everybody we're, were still saying, you know, this is uh, United's going to walk it because I think by the end, United will say, had a, quite a, a, a huge like 12 gap. 12 points. It was yeah.
1: 12 points before we went to Old Trafford or something like crazy like that. Yeah.
0: And then all of a sudden, because I, I, uh, I don't have the journalist's name, of course, to mind, but. There was one article when it went to when it started into '98, I think it was January or February, or it could be February already. When the, the, the article was running down the lines of, you know, the the, the hunter can hear the prey breathing already, so it means like the clerk, you know, like we're closing in on United. Because the way the, the guy wrote the story, I mean, I found it was brilliant, and it's not like the way he was, like uh, you know, building up to almost like the end of the season, he was also building up to how eventual Hunt is going to take place. And it's like, you know, every time, you know, United was stumbling. and look, us as Arsenal fans, we were just waiting every time watching United games just to see some, you know, whether it's a draw or, you know, a, a defeat, which is even golden for us then. Or if they would, uh, you know, go on a winning, like they would win a game, we'd rather switch the TV off and walk out. Then, yes. But, but leading up to that, and, and just the, the manner in which Arsenal put teams to the sword, leading up to to that, not only that showdown, but after that as well, we it's almost like, you know, putting their foot down on the accelerator. And by the time they now, you know, wrapped up the title, of course, there came a couple of shockers in afterwards.
1: Yeah, 4-0 you know, against Liverpool, yeah. and then that 1-0 uh, against Willow, and then Dwight Yorkey, that cheeky yeah. chip, has a penalty.
0: Yeah, but, you know, the, the, the job was done, and, that, and I think you know, the, the, like the players having wrapped up the title, their minds were already switching to the FA Cup final already. So, you know, it was like everything in between was just, you know, nothing, it didn't bother them really. But for me, yeah, that was the, the crown to it all. Because if you think of it, like, for me as an Arsenal fan, the last league title, uh, title I saw was 91. Yeah. And to have that drought, and of course, we had the domestic cups and and... Uh, that uh, the European cup uh, Winners' cup trophy. But then, of course, there was still that drought and there was so much confusion also with, uh, you know, George Graham sacking and not only Bruce Riach then taking over, but also not really warming himself to the fans and the fans were really growing on to him as a player. And as David Dean used to say, he found Bruce Riach, you, you know, even though he was a very professional appointment, he was a very cold person because one thing I'll never get I don't know if it was one of the books I read, from the Arsenal players, where uh, David Dean said, like, he would sometimes, you know, he'd be probably late at the stadium, still doing stuff at Highbury, and then he would look out of the window, and then you would see George Graham just sitting alone in the stadium. It was like you, could, you know, like, you could see, like, a former player also taking it all in again, even as manager now.
1: Yeah.
0: And I think that is also that always what he told me, uh, also by attachment two since I'm like George Graham, but then, that, that aside, now, either... Uh, as the, the, the years then went on and you're actually wondering, you're telling yourself, are oh, we going to win it again? Are oh, we going to win it? And then of course, you know, with Wenger coming in and every, of course the media went on, uh, you know, crazy like Wenger, who, or Arsenal, who. And I mean, of course, I didn't know, like, you know, we're here, we're appointing somebody that, they had like some sort of stint at Monaco, wasn't that much, you know, you didn't no. know him as a player. And, then, of course, it was not a few years at, at Krampus 8 in, in Japan. And I was thinking, is that the direction to go? And maybe that is how I was thinking the way you were thinking about, say, I at the <laughs> beginning. That is That was my roughly estimate of myself then.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the thing about that season as well, I just, you know, it was a like, tough season coming back from behind. And, you know, we could have also added another. The, we were almost close to a domestic treble, if you think about it, that where we just lost, that, we beat Chelsea in the first leg of the um, Carling Cup, or whatever it was called back then, um, and then we lost that second leg, just, just like, you know, we were very close to to actually getting the job done of a domestic treble, and it would have been a remarkable, even more remarkable season that happened, but you know, we can only reach those glory days come back and we, we can discuss which title do we enjoy do we enjoy winning more. Yeah, that's true. And also, yeah, one more question also, sorry. Your FA Cup Finals, you know, we've, we've been a lot for you. Which, which FA Cup Finals stands out to you that
0: you watched and we've taken? I think that one, that the recent one against Chelsea, because, I ne- you know, I've watched FA Cup Finals and, and you know, Old City, you saw that game, you know, two down, and then you thought to yourself also, you know, if you, deep down, whether you're an Arsenal fan or not, you knew. I mean, even Curtis Davis also said they scored too early in that game. And I just thought to myself, without the Nestle and our, goal, you know, goal scoring prowess, we would, you know, get the game somehow. I didn't expect that sort of dramatics, but I did expect us to win. And then, of course, Aston Villa was, you know, a one way tornado yeah. for us. Uh, but for me, I think Chelsea took. You know, we were really hungry for, for even more success because things were also not going really well in, in the uh, Premier League. And, you know, at uh, I don't know how you were feeling. On that. So, I mean, I'll also bounce it back to you. You know, at the end of that game, I actually felt like I was in a, some sort of workout or something. My body felt now like lame because, look, with Ramsey scoring, you're also worried, you know, do Chelsea at the end and look, we've been talking about this for ages now since we're doing the podcast about the you know some of other things can just flip us just like that where the team will go the other end and score or put us under you know massive massive threat but you know that with that full time whistle went up because it got to a stage also in that game you know after Rams, scored I didn't even want to look at the clock in the corner because I was just thinking to myself just go on and you know one minute you see when, when the scores 1-1 for you, the time then it looks like it's going too fo- too fast. And then when we go 2 1 up, then it starts looking like the time is going too slow. And you think, yeah, oh, is this clock not ticking fast?
1: <laughs> I think Jerus,
0: like, impact
1: immediately the moment he came on, you know, he, for a while back, he, he set up um, Ramsey. Yeah. Almost like almost very closely after Chelsea scored, Arsenal almost
0: replied. And I mean, I think one other uh, effect Cup final that also already sits deep, you know, in me as an Arsenal fan, is the one where we played Sheffield Wednesday, We had took, like, a replay to <laughs> get the job done. And I'll never get it. was, like, I think it was a midweek where they had to do the, force the replay. Because, look, at the FA Cup final was, like, Saturday. And then because of the, the 1-1 result at Wembley, it was now, you know, to be replayed, I think, the Wednesday or Thursday, I'm not sure. And, you know, the minute we go ahead, and, and of course, the the game gets pulled again back to one one and stuff like that and then when Andy lennigan scores yeah. that like decides you know that that was the sort of feeling I felt when when the ramsey goal also that way you just feel that that euphoria inside of like and that tenseness is finally like <laughs> you're not that tight and tense anymore
1: uh good good explanation. I'm um, like I, I I don't remember that at all i was still a, a, like a little baby but uh uh, I do recall watching the highlights package back in the day on that old video cassette that you had of almost the seasons from like 1989 till like 97, 98 or 98, So yeah, I remember Lennigan's, that powerful header, was it the header that he scored? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. it. Yeah.
0: He with
1: his hands. Yeah, and then the guys still kicked it up into the roof of the net, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah. was <laughs> uh, that, I mean, yeah. When I look at that sort of that attitude, also of the player. I mean, that in that game, that Lenigan had dislocated his finger. He had a broken nose. Yeah. Still pops up to a eighty. You know, he did go to score.
1: These days, the player will be asked immediately to be sound. <laughs> <stuck. laughs> <laughs>
0: that's true. So you had anything else to ask? Or? No, that's 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 it. That's it. Okay, so guys, hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. I mean, if you're really hungry for football. Bundes, Bundesliga is out there already starting the weekend. Take care. Enjoy it. Bye.
1: Cheers, guys. Have a good one.